Welcome, everyone, to the Fall Classic, which has become a tradition for so many of us who are part of DB Review. I would be horribly remiss if I didn't express my sincere thanks to Bob for allowing us to use this space, to Alan for engineering this, and to uh, to all of you for coming. Um, this has been a book that, as you know, oh, there he is. There he is now. This has been a book that is... Um, Every year, we get real close to, to picking this one, as you all will remember. It comes within one or two votes that it has for the last four or five years. So uh, Don and I talked it over this year and thought, well, rather than let people vote, we're just going to go ahead and give the count his due, as it were. And uh, so that's how that, that came about for this year. Thank you all for coming. Thanks again to Bob for, uh, again, for granting us the opportunity to do it here Um we always try to do this, as you all remember, very close to Alexander Scorby's birthday, and uh, and we've we've come pretty close this year. We're a little beyond it. Uh, it's November thirteenth, but uh, close enough. So, um, with that said, I, Don, do you need time to to, to breathe and, and sort of gather things, or are you ready to roll? No, I guess I can pretty much go. I just woke up. <laughs> I don't know if I would want to admit that kind of decadence or not. It's uh, it's a little early for that. Okay, um, is everyone else okay with us turning this over to, to Don? Yeah, that, I think that sounds great. Let him do what he has about the, uh, I think he was going to say a little bit about the time period that it was written and maybe a little bit about Dumas, and then uh, I'll, I'll uh, take over as a moderator and we'll throw some questions out and have a discussion. Okay, very good. Uh, Don, the time's yours. Thanks. Okay. Um, well, I'm glad, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad I woke up. That's... That, it was a weird thing. I fell asleep at 7.30. I don't know. Um, it's very interesting. I didn't know anything really too much about Dumas, and I certainly did not know. Um, I had not read this book before. I thought I had, and I hadn't. And um, I won't say it was my favorite. I had a, a, quite a time getting through it. I liked about the first 30 chapters of it. And then I, I it kind of went downhill in my mind from there. But... But it was interesting. Um, Dumas is an interesting character. His father actually uh, was was in the army, you know, fought with Napoleon on the side of Napoleon. They apparently had a falling out, and from what I can tell, um, it had to do with over money. Uh, but it was a major, major falling out. But up until for his whole life, Dumas was a was a Napoleon supporter. So um, even though there was these issues, these family issues that I couldn't get a lot of information on, um, he was a lifelong admirer. Um, just one second. Okay. Napoleon had a, a lasting impact. The, I really knew very, very little about Napoleon, and so I did a lot of research because... I knew about Waterloo, and I knew that was how he was ultimately defeated. But what I didn't realize was the power of the Napoleonic Code. I also didn't realize just how um, how lasting Napoleon, the Napoleon's impact really was. He certainly, um, you know, he during his time as emperor, he took over a lot of. Um, you know, he covered a lot of territory, and he certainly, um, I'm just, I don't know what I did with, 
Um, one of the things that, that struck me is how much of today's law and things that we take for granted today really came about as a result of his rule. For example, um, the whole idea of freedom of religion was something that really, in large part, was due to Napoleon and, and his beliefs and the things he fought for and the things he stood for. Um, the abolishment of feudalism, the idea that every individual has a right to, to become what he or she wants to become. That's all part of, they call it the Napoleonic Code. I was talking with one of my clients who's in law school, and he was telling me that um, even in, in, in looking at United States law, there are pieces of it that people feel, you know, can be traced back to Napoleon. He was certainly um, single-minded, I guess I would say. He wanted what he wanted, and he did what he did, and um, everything was done, well, at least from some of what I've read. He, he really did everything for his own, to, to reach his own goals. When he was not, when his wife was not giving him a son, and he wanted very much to have an heir. He divorced her and, and married someone else, who he apparently didn't particularly care about, but it worked out because she gave him the son that he wanted. So, you know, um, he was certainly determined, but also very single-minded. He did what he wanted to do. Um, and and I wish I had my dates here, because he, he was emperor for... for three, four years, then was, was exiled to Elba, then came back into power. And then um, we all know about Waterloo, and, and he died. But um, Dumas was really known for, um, I thought it was interesting that this book was published in serial form. I did not know that. Um, I always think about Dickens when you think about serial form. But this book, maybe that's why it's so long, but it was published over time. A lot of his other books... Uh, many of which are up on board, or some of which anyway are up on board, um, were shorter, but certainly um, were written for the common person and, um, you know, were easy to read, but yet had a lot of, um, a lot of the, uh, the same themes, the themes of individuality, the themes of, um, you know, looking at, at what, Certainly in the, in the portion, and we'll talk about, I'm sure, um, where, where he was jailed, um, the individual motivation and the importance of the individual and the rights of the individual, which of course was so Napoleonic, that was something that Dumas very much um, believed in and valued. So I'll stop for here. I'm sorry it's a little bit disjointed. I should have not fallen asleep. But... Um, at any rate, I'll be interested to see what people thought of the book. Uh, as I say, I I found it very thought-provoking, but I also found my mind wandered a lot, and I had a really hard time focusing. So I'm anxious to see what others thought and what your experience was of reading it. Thank you, Don. We appreciate that. I'll uh, I'll add a couple of comments to what, what Don so ably said already. Uh, a couple of more things. He mentioned that uh, this was a serialized 
uh, publication. I think it came out in maybe in daily papers at first. I think that's usually how those things were distributed. And uh, uh, it was written in 1845-1846, uh, the time period. Uh, a couple other things about uh, uh, Dumas. His dad was a mulatto. I think his grandmother may have been uh, 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 some kind of, I don't know if she was a slave, or, but she was definitely uh, uh, African. And uh, his father, uh, uh, let's see, his father had a title, I guess. I'm not sure where where the title. I, I get confused when I've, you know, not being from the aristocracy, I always get confused with, with titles and which ones mean what and stuff. But I think his father had some kind of title. But anyway, his mother was definitely uh, 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 of African descent. So I'm sure that that, that played into. Uh, he, he wasn't what I'd call a uh, a, a rich kid kind of kind of guy. I mean, he he uh, he started out as a playwright. Uh, wrote plays at first, was very successful. I think I think the the stuff that I read seemed to indicate that he had written like a hundred thousand pages of of product uh, during his career. The man was an Epicurean from from day one. It sounds like he really liked life. He really liked to spend. He spent a lot more than he made. Apparently, uh, he's said to have had like forty mistresses. So. Uh, that kind of gives you a, a flavor of, of what kind of what kind of person he was, but uh, 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 like like Don said, the, uh, uh, the the Waterloo happened in 1815, and uh, this story our, our story begins in 1815 with with Dante's coming back from the uh, 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 on that Morel ship, and it, it goes from there. So. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. That's that's most of what I've got in terms of any additional background. Uh, but the 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 books were very popular. Uh, as you know, this was very long, and I think as as Don alluded to, I think probably the fact that it was serialized uh, it, it, it contributed to, to to its length. And uh, uh, he was he was very successful, very popular during his time. And uh, uh, I think the Count of Monte Cristo is thought to be his 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 greatest work. You know, he he wrote the, uh, the Three Musketeers and and uh, several other things as well. But uh, uh, I'm gonna let go of the mic for a second. See if anybody's got a comments, and then I'll then I'll throw out some questions. Well, it's, this is Sherry. It's interesting to know it was serialized. I didn't know that, and that really you can really tell that once you know that that it would have been really exciting to read a couple of chapters a day or a week in a newspaper and now we know why sometimes they repeated the what they had what he had already said to bring people up to date yeah exactly and i, I think it's always good to to if, if if you can remember to do it to to try to do some research on something especially some of these these classical novels that are that are so long like this one is because it, it 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 can it can change your perspective so much if you know what was going on during the time it was written, what was going on during the time it's set, obviously, and uh, uh, any kind of background you can learn about the author. Because I mean, all, all these things uh, coalesce kind of into to give you a better experience to you know uh, with with the background and stuff. But but anyway, uh, uh, obviously, uh, all right. I'm I'm just gonna throw this out. I mean. 
I'm just going to ask the question, what do you think the major theme is of the Count of Monte Cristo? I mean, it's it's pretty obvious what it's about, but uh, uh, let me just say one, one other quick thing. I, I know we can probably get a little... Uh, we're used to reading modern literature and stuff and, and current mysteries or whatever your genre is uh, that's set. This thing, uh, this is called a historical romance, I guess is how it's pronounced or how it's categorized. And they were real, they weren't real big on character development. It's, it's, it's about, you know, the, the, the characters are pretty much black and white and uh, y- y- you're trying to get, well, you're trying to serve up justice in this one, I guess, and uh, it, it, it's real clear uh, who, who's, who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. There's not, not much shades of gray, but anyway, what, what, what do y'all think is the is the is the theme of the book? Uh, it's pretty obvious. Well, I guess I would say the theme is vengeance as well as. Um, what he perceived to be justice, and I think he had his doubts about that when Edouard was murdered by his mom. Um, but I think with Caderousse at the last minute um, becoming believing in God again once he recognized it was Dante, which I mean, that you had to little stretch your credulity a bit for that scene, but um, I think that was probably what he was aiming at too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, revenge, revengeance is is, is 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 the major theme of this, and, and that's what all the, the people that write about it say. Uh, which, which brings me to uh, uh, I, I'm big on uh, 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 common phrases or common uh, quotes and stuff. I've always uh, remembered the the the, the quote: uh, "Revenge is a dish best served cold." Uh, how, how do you think that? Uh, wh- what do you, What do you think that means? And uh, h- how do you think uh, the count exemplifies that that uh, 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 that quote, that expression? Um, I think that um, I think I take a little bit of a different um, thought about the theme before we go on, but I want to talk about the dish served cold too. Um, I think that. In the long run, he kind of, without ever actually saying that he's sorry, he you get the impression that he really does sort of see that perhaps he took the revenge farther than he really intended to, and that he's ready to just sort of go away and leave it alone at the end. Now, of course, he did get all of it taken care of, so I can see how that could be, you know, it's done, so it's done, but... Um, Anyway, um, as far as the, to me, that thing about revenge being best served cold is that's just basically saying that it's much better to think about that and do it in a methodical and deliberate way than it is to jump in and try to just right all the wrongs in one fell swoop. Yeah, I agree. Uh, It's best to be, uh, uh, don't let passion overwhelm you and and jump in and, uh, do stuff quick and, and heated, but uh, uh, be be kind of cold-hearted about it and sit back and plan and stuff. And and I, and I think the, I mean I think the count would definitely fall into that category because he uh, uh, I mean obviously he, he he spends a lot of time 
laying the groundwork for for his uh, his vengeance and stuff on these guys, and uh, uh, you know, almost to the point that <laughs> I mean, it, it served up and so much and uh, in, in so many hours, it, it got to be a little much. But uh, 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 what else did you think? What other things are, are, are? I mean, there are there are other things too, Deb. What what else did you think? Uh, did you want to comment on? Well, one of the things that I thought was that, again, repeating that there's the theme of revenge, but also that sometimes maybe revenge isn't quite so great as you think. Um, I thought that there were a lot of different places where, uh, not in uh, Dante's place, but there were other voices that would say things that, you know, are like, now, wait a minute this is maybe not quite such a good idea, including the guy that he was with in prison, who I thought was a very wise man. And then, um, well, I guess that was really the most the most important one. But even when he was working as the abbe himself, uh, you could kind of get a little bit of a feeling of that uh, in a few places, and I can't really remember the specifics right now. I thought, interestingly enough, one of the sub-themes, for me at least, was that great friendship can be born in the in the worst of adversity. Uh, and I know this is early on in the book, but I, I didn't get all the way through it. But I I was captivated by the friendship between uh, Dante and, uh, or Dante's whatever, and, and the priest in the prison. I thought that was a an interesting union that came about. What a great mentor-mentee kind of relationship it, it became. And that the priest obviously was a kind of a linchpin that taught so much and and gave so much to this young guy. And um, so, yeah, you're right. Obviously, vengeance is the biggie, but but he clearly elucidates the idea that sometimes really good things can be born of of the worst kinds of adversity. Oh yeah, I I, I agree 100 percent. And I, I I think I may have liked that part of the book probably. Uh, that, that was one of my favorite parts of the book, and I don't know it's because it's still early on, but I mean, you know, you know, he's had so much bad happen to him, and he he meets this this Abbe is it Abbe Ferreira something like that. I, I I'm gonna have to apologize right up front for my pronunciation. I mean, it's been it's been about a month since I finished the thing, and the the spellings I've looked over the names in that character list I sent out, but with the, all those little. Uh, Foreign accented characters and stuff. I have no idea how a lot of the names are pronounced. I can't remember how. It's been a while since I've listened to the audio, so I'm not sure how uh, they were pronounced in there. So just just forgive me. Plus, you know, my southern accent. So, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the part in the prison because I, I guess it, it was kind of building to you know this. The abbe was so smart. The guy was so smart, and he was he was. He was he was mentoring uh, Dantes, and you know, and he was, you knew he was preparing to, you know, to to come back and, and you know, and and have his have his revenge and stuff. So, it was it was just good because you could you could see him learning so much from the guy, and uh, it was I, I really enjoyed that part of the book because uh, uh, I, I thought that was that was pretty cool. I'm also. I'm also. I don't know if any of y'all have ever seen the movie The Shawshank Redemption. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the movie The Shawshank Redemption, and it makes a couple of references to the Count of Monte Cristo in it. And I've always, I've always liked those references because there's there's a scene where they're uh, uh, 
they're establishing a prison library at this prison in Maine, where it where it takes place. And one of the one of the dumb guys is looking through the books, and he says, "The Count of Monte Crisco," and he calls it you know calls it Crisco like the like the shortening, and uh, and he says by Alexandra Dumas. And <laughs> it's just funny because the guy's so stupid. And then the 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 main character Andy hands the book to him and says. Yeah, read that. You'll like it. it's about a prison break. So it's uh, uh, I, I've always liked that, and I, and I think uh, I think Stephen King, who, who wrote who wrote the Shawshank, must uh, must have been a fan uh, must have been a fan of, of uh, the Count. But uh, anyway, uh, 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 who which characters? I mean, like I said, the characters are pretty black and white in this. But I, I've mentioned I, I really like the Abbey the, the Abbey that was in prison with him. And I, I'm 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 drawing a blank on his last name, but uh, uh, did anybody else have any any other uh, any other favorite characters that they liked? I would say the Abbe was terrific. Morel was I thought very good. Um, I did not like the way he treated the women. First of all, it was either over the moon in love or I hate you, you know, and and I felt that was. A little too um, maybe stereotyped. Um, the men, I thought he treated a lot better uh, with with a lot more um, humanity. And just a kind of off the wall comment um, about not recognizing books. I have a husband who sent back the. Hunchback of Notre Dame because he doesn't read football books. Well, that's hilarious. Yeah, I noticed the women thing, too. Um, I even wrote down, wrote down a quote where he was talking about Madame Danglar, and he said she was clearly suffering from uh, something like the common irritability that women cannot account for even to themselves. Yes, this was definitely not... Um cutting-edge feminism, I have to agree. And and to the point where the women were just cut-out characters that I felt kind of were paper dolls being moved around on the stage compared to the men. Um, the men were much more three-dimensional. And that even includes um, the the wife of the guy that was the one that was the poisoner. She was, she was probably the best-drawn woman character, but she was still not very realistic. Do you guys know who, when he was at the opera, they kept reviewing, referring to a Madame G, and I guess it, it sounded like it was spelled capital G dash dash dash, like they didn't want to give her name. Did you, I couldn't figure out who that was, and that seemed to, she seemed to have disappeared. Wasn't she the one that he ends up with at the very end? The, the girl that he basically took under his wing and, and ends up with? That's what I seem to remember. No, he ended up with the character. He ended up with that that, that slave that he about. Her name was Hyde or Ida, I think. The, the the Countess G Blank. Isn't that what the in that how they pronounce her name? It's it's actually written that way. I look. I tried to look at the text on this character list, and it actually has Countess G with a long blank line after her name. Which I I was going to ask y'all about that. I I, I didn't understand why he wrote it that way or why uh, m- maybe that was uh, fashionable at the time if you didn't want to give somebody's name. But uh, I thought that was kind of curious. That was the style in the 
late eight, mid 1800s to late 1800s. They didn't name names. They would just give maybe first uh, letter and sometimes last letter, and might let you know how many characters were in it by by the hyphens. Kind of as a way to tantalizing you into figuring out who it was, and that may be that may well be what it was because I've seen that in several books before, and. You know, that was one of the things that I kind of particularly enjoyed about this book. I don't know that it's particularly great about it, but it's I enjoyed it anyway. Is I felt like it was just especially all the stuff with the so it went, once it got into the part where they were into the social life in Paris, that it was just sort of the most wonderful description of the glittering upper echelon of French society um, and their decadent lifestyle and so that just sort of really just fit in for me at least really well and i enjoyed it and it was almost like well did you see princess g blah 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 blah," you know or whatever and you know it was just so effortlessly they referred to composers and playwrights and actors and actresses and little things that probably were common knowledge to people that lived at the time when the book was written that, you know, at this point we don't, any of us know of, unless we've read a bunch of books about that time. And so I thought it was just fabulous fun, but I can also see how it could be confusing too. Well, one one of the characters that that I liked that, uh, I mean, I don't know if you consider him a major character, I like that uh, Noirtier, uh, uh, De Vifor's, uh father, the one that was uh, uh, mute and, uh, and and was an invalid uh, at the end. I, I, I like that character, and I also I really like. Uh, I, I want to talk about favorite scenes coming up too, and I'll just mention that because it ties in with him. One of my favorite scenes in the book was when they went through all the detail with how Valentine communicated with him. And I just thought, I thought that was great to, to show that. Uh, I mean, you know, a, a lot of us, you know, we, we, we all live with, with, a, with a disability, but it's, it's, it, it showed then that, you know, she had taken the effort. I mean, the man still had a mind that worked and she had come up with a way to, and they had devised a communication thing that worked great for him. And I, I was just—I really liked that scene. It really made me feel good because it just—it just goes to show you that, uh, uh, you know, even back in the—you know—I guess in the in the mid 19th century when this was written, you know, he, he was at least thinking about folks that that, that had challenges and ways to overcome them. So I, I really appreciated that, and I liked—I liked that Noirtier character because I mean he was obviously a Bonapartist, and uh, uh, I don't know about the politics and stuff, but uh, I, I didn't. I mean, he hadn't done it really anything. I think he had he had thought the that one man he had killed at the beginning. They kind of left that kind of fuzzy. You didn't know until the end what had actually happened, and that it had been a fair duel and stuff. And uh, he he was he was he was a rational character that I that I really liked. Oh, I did too. I thought he was exceptional, and the discussion of how he communicated. Um, brought back a lot of memories for when Bob was on a ventilator for a while, and we did exactly the same thing without the dictionary, of course. But we worked out the alphabet, and we, we, um, and you just do. You, you just, and, and you wouldn't think about it unless you'd had an experience. I would bet you 
somewhere he dealt with someone who who had a mind that was active and who was mute. Well, see, there we go again with the idea of the power of the individual and the rights of the individual versus someone gaining power um, because of where they come from or who they who they are, and I don't mean who they are as people, but who they are in the social, you know, what kind of social status they hold. I think that was really an example of that, um, because that was certainly a big part of of the book. And the other thing that I noticed was, um, going back to some of the comments, like Nolan was talking about early on in the book, before he became so consumed with with the idea of vengeance, um, he was much more able to, I think the beauty of that friendship in the prison was that it was because of the, the humanity that brought that about and the individualism that brought that about. But when that was destroyed or by, by events, um, that's really when the need for vengeance took over and it became so destructive. I wanted to get back to what Jill said about Princess G. I had kind of wondered the same thing, that maybe she and Hyde were the same person, and when he took her out into society, he took her out as this princess person rather than a slave. But I wasn't sure about that either. In any case, I liked the um, grandfather of Valentine also. One thing I thought was interesting about the way he wrote this, he was so detailed, yet he he had to go dig Valentine up out from the cemetery, out from her grave, apparently, unless he spirited her away and they buried an empty coffin. And as detailed as he was, he totally left all of that out. And I kind of wondered if he was just maybe getting tired of the whole thing and wanted to wrap things up so he didn't add any detail about that. Because I thought that was kind of handled poorly. I I guess he was going to let Valentine die until he found out Maximilian loved her, and then he had to kind of swoop in and save her after all. Well, he was supposed to, he said she would be there, and he would be there in X number of days, and yet he, he, I think really what happened was he forgot what he had written, and he got mixed up and forgot that he hadn't included it, because he didn't give any details on on how she was uh, revived, or if, you know, or, or if, if she was buried, or if she, he just glanced over it and i think he was meaning to come back to it and didn't you, you maybe you're right about that because i thought the ending was really kind of was almost bungled and stuff with that whole line with the first of all i thought it was just unconscionable that he would leave morel dangling like that i thought that was horrific i mean uh i mean he supposedly loved him like a son and stuff and then you know, he leaves him hanging there for a month and keeps saying, hey, well, everything's going to be okay and stuff. But he doesn't, doesn't bother to tell him anything about what, you know, what's happened to uh, Valentine. And I, I just, I, I thought that was horrible. I mean, and, you know, and it's kind of like y'all alluded to. I, I think by the time, you know, you know, 40-something hours into it, I, you know, I was ready for it just to be over and stuff. So I think uh, m- maybe that's, uh, he was probably ready to and maybe he just for, forgot the stuff because I, I thought that was very poorly done with the way it was with handled with, with valentine and uh uh and maximilian did any of you think that he would get back together with mercedes at the end because i kind of expected that given the way books were written in the, at that time period you know people always ended up happily ever after and stuff i figured he'd end up with her at the end 
I did. Uh, I really thought he would. And I guess this gets back to the way he viewed women uh, that we've already talked about. I mean, they they were sort of one-dimensional. And I guess the very fact that she had married somebody else, that really that really destroyed her physically for him. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that she was that, that he would get back to her too. And this is the funny thing. I have actually read the book before, and I still thought that. Um, but I'm also pretty convinced that I read an abridged version and a very poorly abridged version. So anyway, but yeah, it, it's odd, isn't it? And, but I guess if he's had 40 mistresses, he probably thinks that somebody new would be much preferable. And, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I, I was hoping that, that he would get back with Mercedes. Uh, that's that's how I wanted it. But I'm, I'm a big romantic at heart and stuff, and I like, you know, I like nice, neat bows and stuff, some of that kind of stuff. But uh, I guess if, if it was written by a guy that had 40 mistresses, he uh, uh, he thought it'd be better for the count to end up with a with a with a with a much younger uh, girl that uh, uh, that 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 was you know a borderline slave to him. So uh, I guess that's the route he chose. I did not think they were going to get together because he was so hate he he was so filled with hate for her because of what she did to him. She married with when he was gone and wasn't true to him and on and on and on, and Ron and Patty have both joined us, and uh, welcome, guys. Yeah, I definitely, hi, Ron and Patty, I definitely didn't think that they would get back together because he was a different person. I mean, that's part of the point of the book, is that in the beginning, he was truly a, a wonderful person, and his relationships were were really based on his humanity, and then when the vengeance took over and his, he became so self-absorbed that people were sort of his vessels or, or he did what he wanted with them, I think that, that was part of why, to me, it wouldn't have been true to the, 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 the message of the book or one of the themes of the book if they had got, I mean, I would have loved that, but I don't think it would have rung true for me. Yeah, that's a really excellent point. He really wasn't the same person once vengeance had been his. Well, I never really got the sense that he was, uh, I mean, trying to punish uh, Mercedes for anything. But uh, maybe I just maybe I just missed that and stuff. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, well, maybe I'm just thinking from Alan's perspective because I, I don't really think she did anything wrong. I mean, she ended up, she thought he was dead or, you know, he that he was gone. I, I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure she ever thought he was dead. Or not. I think she made some effort to try to find him in the prison and stuff. But uh, 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 she, I mean, she ended up marrying that guy, Fernand or whatever his name was. But uh, uh, she never really loved him, and uh, uh, I, I'm not really sure he was. He he would have been right to have of uh, uh, wanted to take revenge on Mercedes. But hey, uh, m- maybe I misinterpreted something. I don't think he wanted to take revenge on Mercedes, but I also don't think that he, I don't think he thought particularly about anything beyond how will this person serve my goals by that point. I think you're right. And I also think that um, he wanted to feel that way about Mercedes, but 
almost every time there was a scene with them together, it seemed to me as if he was in anguish about it. And it was like everything that she said seemed to just be um, very painful to him from the perspective of knowing that he was using her in a certain way and that he was, and she was so near to people that were on his list of the really bad guys that, you know, it was like, I I think that that was hard for him. That was at least my impression. Do you think the vengeance against Don Galar was complete? I mean, they did have the thieves capture him and take all his money and stuff, and he was left penniless, but somehow that didn't seem sufficient compared to the vengeance against the other guys. You know, I, I kind of wondered about that because it, it didn't seem like everything was handed out necessarily evenly, but uh, uh, maybe he was just uh, 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 maybe he was just done by that point. He had just decided that uh, he had played God enough, and that uh, especially after. Uh, uh, Edward, and I'm, I'm, I may be getting the timing off, but uh, I know after Ed, Ed, that, that boy died, and he didn't expect that, to, you know, the, the law of unintended consequences, he wasn't expecting that to happen. He really, uh, I think that brought him up short, and he realized he had, he had uh, delved a little bit too much in stuff that wasn't his business, or, or he had done some things that he had no business doing. So uh, 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 I think maybe that, that, that may have influenced uh, uh uh, his revenge on Danglar. I kind of felt like <clears throat> his revenges depended on what the person had actually done or what was important to them. And with Danglar's, obviously money was the motivating force in his life. And so to take all that money away from him was probably the worst thing that could have happened to him. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And uh, that, that brings up another question I had as long as we're on it. Uh, we had like the, there's like, Four main people. I mean, there's the, the three guys at the beginning that uh, uh, that are that are involved in what puts him in prison. You know, you got Don Galara, you got uh, Fernand, uh, who ends up becoming the, the Count de Montserrat, and then you've got uh, Caderousse, who's kind of a drunk bystander, really, uh, and then you've got uh, De Vifor, who's the I guess, like the district attorney. Uh, who do you think of that group initially hurt him the most or, 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 or were the worst of that group of folks? Well, I don't know who hurt him the worst, but I think the one that he considered the most vile was the guy who was the district attorney guy. And if you think about it, he's the one that really did the most um, – egregious things in that he was just protecting himself he wasn't you know it wasn't that he was in love with mercedes it wasn't that he was just basically standing around kind of cheering him on and it you know it was he did it for purely nothing but just to make his life better and i guess the others are making their lives better but in a sort of somewhat less um obnoxious way yeah i i, I think you're probably right about that. I, I, I disliked probably of those main three. I mean, I, I never really cared for Fernand that much, but he. I mean, at least he, 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 he loved Mercedes, and he was jealous, and that was kind of like you said. He was that was what was kind of motivating him. I never really liked Don Glar though. Don Glar was just 
he was just uh, he was just envious of of uh, Edmond's uh, success and and the path he seemed to be on, and just uh, you know he, he's the one that I guess originally wrote the the uh, the, the letter or you know that concocted the letter that ended up getting him in jail, and I I, I really didn't like him and. Uh, and I, I alluded earlier when I was talking about favorite scenes. I, I, one of my favorite scenes in the book is when the Count first meets with Donglar, and he's he's coming to him about getting setting up a line of credit and stuff. I thought that scene was hilarious because he's he's talking to these exorbitant sums, and and and, and Donglar just you know he, he's just dumbfounded, you know. And I, th- I thought that was I thought the comedy in that was was very well done. Yes, it was, and you knew for a fact, I mean, just by what was going on, you knew that this was going to be money that that man was never actually going to see. That was one nice thing about this book. I mean, yeah, it was long and and everything, but he was a good enough writer that it wasn't overly literary in terms of the writing style. It was easy to read. Um, The narrator, you know, there were some mispronunciations, and sometimes that made it difficult, but in terms of Dumas's writing, it was a very easy book to um, to read. You had to keep track of a lot of characters, but the writing style was such that it was easy. Probably the part I liked least was the part where he was in Italy right after he got back. I found that they introduced a whole bunch of characters, and I found that part really confusing, where he was kind of just getting established before he went to Paris. Yeah, I, I did like the part with Luigi Vampa, though. I liked, I liked some of that backstory. I, th- I thought that was that was pretty entertaining, talking about uh, where Vampa, the, 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 the thief, had come from, and uh, uh, I, I did enjoy I did enjoy those scenes, and, and, and you're right. I mean, I think that's probably why I liked the... I mean, I read the book several years ago the first time. I mean, and it, 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 it was very black and white. It's not at all literary, but, you know, I, I, I like the fact that yeah, other than it was a little long, I mean, it was long. I, I like the fact that it was all laid out. Nice. I mean, you get this guy. It, here he is. He, he gets this untold wealth. He's got these guys to pay back, and he goes about doing it. And uh, you know, and there's some interesting stories along the way as he's doing it and stuff. But uh, uh, I mean, in the end, he realizes he's, you know, he can't be God. And, and I think there's, you know, there's there's a couple of morality lessons that are that are taught too. You know. I just, I mean, it, 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 it did a good job of doing that. So. My overall comment about this book to myself was, what a wonderful imagination this author had. And since it's been brought up that he wrote this in serial form, wouldn't it be interesting to know if he had really planned it all out like that, right from the beginning and knew where he was going with it, or he just kind of built on it as he went along and really didn't know for sure where it was going to go. But, you know, in this whole thing with the priest and in the prison and so on, well, I mean, this had to happen because if he hadn't gotten the money in the first place, his enormous wealth, he never could have done the revenge things or all the other things that he did. So um, I really enjoyed the book a lot, and uh, <laughs> I read it over... Quite a period of time, actually, you guys, because I was reading it in Braille. Can you believe that? Um, I'm almost positive that he didn't know from one day to the next what he was going to write. You know, and he just he just followed it along. And most authors don't, from what I've heard. Um, 
Patty and Ron still haven't spoken, and if if you want to join the conversation, uh, hold down the control key. Um, if you have a microphone, otherwise you can put something in the um, uh, section of uh, the 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 notes section by by hitting. I think it's F seven. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Well, I am blessed to have a microphone. Thank you, and thank you. I, I'm. I read the book, but it was so long ago that I just thought I'd stop it and see what everybody thought. But it was quite a while ago that they read it. It was a great read, but oh my gosh, it was a long time ago. Interesting to hear about somebody reading Braille. I, I think uh, I really, uh, I, I'm, I'm really heartened when I hear about somebody reading Braille. It's almost a lost art anymore. Nobody, nobody reads Braille anymore. It seems like. Uh, Patty did write something in the window. It's kind of too long for me to read, but I don't know if anybody on this group could read it or not. I'll give it a try in a second, but I just want to add to what Mickey said. Yeah, I suspect he probably he probably knew that he was going to put, uh, I mean, he knew he was going to have Dante's in jail for a long time and probably knew he was going to have great wealth and stuff, but I suspect all the details that ensued after that, he probably uh, did it as he, as, he, as he went along. And like Mickey said, uh, I, I don't think that's unusual for authors. A lot of times they, uh, I think the book kind of carries them and uh, uh, the, the they get ideas as as it's progressing. They may have a loose outline, but I think probably the details uh, fill in as they go. But uh, I'm going to let go of the mic. If anybody else have any comments, I'm going to try to study what uh, what's up in the window here. That kind of reminds me of what J.K. Rowling said about the Harry Potter series. She said when she started writing it, she knew how the last book would end, but that was really the only thing that she knew. So I guess that is pretty typical. I mean, I mean, I'm sure that there are authors who plan things out meticulously and others that don't. But this does have that feel of just kind of, oh, well, what do I feel like writing about today? Hmm, I think we'll go to the opera. Patty, our first message is that uh, he, uh, Dante had to reconcile himself with the deceit of Mercedes. She did not like the beginning of the book because there were so many names and characters and it was just too hard to follow. She, she would not have read the book had it not been that Alan sent out the list. Way to go, Alan. Yeah, uh, I, I decided, I mean, this thing has so many characters. It, it, it just, it, it gets really confusing. And uh, I've always wanted a, I've always kind of wished that the, that the Bard books would, would kind of give you a list of characters and just just give their names and maybe where they're in. I think really all I would want. I mean, I don't like spoilers and stuff, and I, I couldn't avoid putting those in there because that's the the list that I copied had them in there. But what I would really like at the front of a book would be the name of a character that, that where they would say the name, spell it, and then say where the character is introduced in the book with, with a time link, so you could go back. Uh, and it'd be real easy to jump to that time if you wanted to go back and see where the character first comes on the scene and, and read that chapter or that, or that portion again. That's what I would really like because uh, I, I, I'm just I'm kind of anal retentive about stuff like that. I like to I like to know how to spell names. I like to know which characters are or, or which and when they're introduced. I had to read a book called The Stargate Star Star Something Handshake. And I don't know how to spell it to list it, but I mean, I would like names that aren't familiar, even familiar names I would like spelled maybe the first time they're used. Um, Kelly could be E-Y, could be just Y, who knows? And I, I'd like to know that. 
And other than Braille, I can't get it. Sometimes in Wikipedia, if it was a popular book or it's a classic, if you search on the book, they have a, a link for a character list. You can find character lists there. They do sometimes have spoilers in them, though. Um, I had another question about the plot. What happened to Caterus's wife? Did I miss something? Or uh, By the end, he didn't seem to have her anymore. I didn't really know if, if he killed her or, or if something happened to her. Uh, that scene where... Uh where they where the I think Caterus and his wife killed that merchant that was buying that that jewel from him right did did she not get killed did he not kill her as when he left I, I I'm a, I'm a little fuzzy on that too somebody else that that, that knows I think that's what happened I'm not maybe a bit fuzzy on it too but I'm pretty sure he did kill her. It was pretty quickly taken care of, though. Patty says she was killed in the robbery. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking she was killed in the, in the robbery, and uh, uh, so let, let's touch on that for that, that for a second. Because Sherry had posted a, a a post to DB Review when we first started reading this about Catarus uh, uh, getting that diamond and stuff, and then how that. Uh, uh, I think if I'm correct, if I say this wrong, Sherry, that you were you were kind of surprised that, that he did that, or or didn't know the point of why he gave him the diamond. What are, what are your thoughts about that? Well, he seemed to give. I think somebody on the list pointed out that he was giving Caterus a chance to do the right thing and become a better person. He seemed to give Caterus more chances than he gave the other three guys. He didn't seem to give them any chances to really redeem themselves. Well, maybe Don Glar could have done the right thing and not invested in everything he said or something. But Akataroos seemed to get more breaks than the other guys. And to me, he seemed like just as much of a scumbag as the other three. Yeah, I, I, think, that, I, I think that's mainly because uh, I really don't think – I mean, Akataroos obviously d- didn't lift a finger to help the guy uh, when they were plotting all this stuff at the beginning. He, but – he he just sat around drunk kind of. I I really really didn't get the sense that he was he was part of the original plot. He just didn't, didn't do anything to stop it. So maybe that maybe he was cutting him some slack because of a uh, uh, of that. Uh, maybe Dumas was cutting him some slack because he didn't figure he was as bad as the other guys or or as involved. Yeah, I suppose he wasn't a, as much of an active participant. Well, and yeah, I mean he just. He was he was just sort of there, and he was maybe kind of egging him on a little bit. But then he would also say things like, "Oh, that's bad," and stuff like that. So he was he was defending him a little bit, but not enough to make any difference. The thing is, if you know, if he had taken that, and he could have lived comfortably for the rest of his life on the income from that. But since he his character was basically so seriously flawed that that's the reason that he got in trouble in the long run and I don't know um, I think that this is a this is a drawback of the book in a certain way he um, the, the count must have had an incredible network of spies and espionage going on to be able to know as much as he did about everything that was happening with all these people. Patty says, uh, just a sec, after Dante, Dante gave the diamond, Caterus said, you wouldn't give the diamond to me. He said, you gave me the diamond, and 
and uh, Dante said you would never have done that for me. That's true. You certainly wouldn't catch Cataroose giving anybody anything. Cataroose was was just interested in, in, in number one. He, he, I don't think he cared about any, anybody but himself. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, uh Another character that I really liked, I don't, that we've not really mentioned uh, so far, is that Al- Albert de Montserf, uh, M- Mercedes' son. I really liked him. Uh, I thought he was went a little over the top. And I, I, mean, I don't know anything about how things were done during the time this is all set. I thought he got a little bit uh, crazy when he thought that his father... Aspersions had been cast on his father when the stuff was coming out about the uh, 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 what his father had done and, and all that, and he was, you know, he, he was blustering and wanting to have a, a a duel and everything. And I thought that was a little, that was a little rash, but I, I like I like that character. I mean, he, he was a young man. He, he ended up uh, uh, doing the right thing, and uh, uh, he was one of the characters I really liked. I was trying to figure out his age, because at some point in the book they said Dantes was 35. And so Albert couldn't have been, he had to be like in his late teens or something if you add up the time frame. I mean, it doesn't matter too much. I I liked him a lot, too, and I was glad that um, Dantes didn't kill him, which apparently was his original intent until Mercedes uh, pled, pled for his life. Yeah, I think he must have been about. I, I, I don't know why I'm thinking this. I'm thinking he was about 19 because I, I, I think he was like late teens. I don't know if they ever told us that, but uh, uh, I, I'm thinking he was about the age that uh, the Edmond was at the beginning of the book and stuff. But uh, uh, he, he was definitely a, a, a young man. I, I just really liked him. I, I thought that was uh, uh, <laughs> that scene where he finally went to get him out uh, when he was being held hostage by. Uh, by by Vampa and stuff, and he was just kind of like kicked back, you know, uh, you know, taking life as it came. You know, he was a prisoner, obviously, but he he seemed to be kind of fitting right in with the with with the with the thieves and stuff. He was just kind of hanging out, and I thought that was kind of cool. Well, as far as as the um, duel and that, don't you think maybe that was typical of that particular time, and that's what Dumas was exposing us to that that wasn't too unusual. To, to fight a duel and to be, you know, your your parentage was all important. I agree with that, Jill. And the other thing to look at is if this, if uh, Mercedes' son was 19, she didn't wait a whole long time before she got married after after um, Dante was was imprisoned. What did she? Well, I don't know. If he was in prison 14 years. She could have waited four or five years and still had Albert be in his late teens. Um, one other theme I was wondering about is religion. Um, you see the Abbey was in the prison and that he was a religious man. You see Dante mentioned several times that he's going to wait and see if God allows his vengeance. And he sort of seemed to think that if he got away with it, then it was God's will. And then he had Caderousse's conversion at the, right before he died and stuff. And I wondered how religious Dumas was, because religion wasn't huge in this book. But it was mentioned several times as if things were inevitable the way they happened. Patty says she got, they got married, he, she got married about three years uh, after Dante was put in prison. Thanks, Patty. Uh, yeah, you, you're, you're, you're right, Sherry. I think... Uh, uh, you, you kind of got the sense that Dumas uh, 
I mean, I, I feel he believed in God and stuff because uh, he, he, I think in the end, uh, uh, Dante realized that he, he he had no business trying to play God. And I think, I mean, in the end, the book tries to, uh, I think the book tries to end on a positive note with, you know, that, that, that whole thing about, uh, you know, wait and, and hope. And uh, uh, I think he was trying to, uh, uh, you know, there are definitely allusions to, to, to a providential uh, uh, influence and, and, and control ultimately over all things. And that uh, I think he was trying to, uh, even though a couple of the characters did did commit suicide, both both of the Morel guys were were gonna uh, were gonna you know, kill themselves, and I, I think uh, uh, I think hopefully he was trying to uh, convince his readers that there, there there's a better way to go to to to, to try to, to look at things from a better perspective and uh, 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 wait and hope and uh, you know and, and not not give up. That kind of ties in with the duel, um, in in the way that, the way that I mean that is the wait and hope about the tragedy that has befallen the shipping people. Um, but if the if Mercedes' son had done a little waiting and hoping, maybe well, I mean he didn't get killed, but he would have been a better person for having done that. And he would have found out that, yes, indeed, his dad really was as bad as he thought he was or that, that people were saying that he was. Kind of like rashness is really a problem, which, again, revenge is a, the best sort of cult. Well, we've talked about the female characters a lot, but uh, one exception was Eugenia Donglar, who I'm not sure if he was trying to imply that she was a lesbian or not, but he made her um, at least not interested in getting married and wanting to pursue her artistic uh, pursuits instead of getting married, which was, and he didn't make her a, a bad person either. So she was kind of the exception to the rule for the other women. Point well made. Yeah, I, I, I kind of liked her. I, I don't know why. I, I, I like the fact that she uh, uh, she she was going to do do her own thing and stuff. She, she didn't care too hoots about getting getting hitched or anything. It didn't seem like and. Uh, uh, she was interested in going off with her friend and stuff, and uh, uh, I thought it, I thought it was interesting that she chose to to, to disguise herself as a man. So uh, I, I don't know. I definitely got the the, the the feeling that he was alluding to to maybe her being a lesbian. But uh, uh, I ended up kind of I ended up kind of liking her character. I think that's just one more example of of what Don is saying about individuals doing their individual thing and being able to do it. I think she was meant to be a lesbian, um, and he per- portrayed it as he he wasn't saying, "Oh, gee, this is is not what's in the Bible and all that good stuff." He just accepted it was it was the way it was. I thought that was very well done. Yeah, I liked that a lot too. I liked her character a lot, and I liked the fact that she was able to go off and be a free spirit. I think she disguised herself as a man in large part because two women wouldn't have been able to travel alone like that without getting harassed. I'm not sure. But you're right. I think that does go back to what Don said about individuality. She was certainly much more of her own character than a lot of people in the book. Yeah, uh, and, and Don was right. I, I really did appreciate the, uh, uh, the, the individuality and the way that, that theme kept being uh, addressed. And uh, I think you're right, too, Sherry, that the, 
that was true with her. And uh, yeah, and also, you're, you're right, she, she had to, two women traveling alone would, would definitely cause a, uh, uh, would, would draw attention to themselves. And uh, the, they were trying to come up with a plan that would, uh, that would get them where they needed to go. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've covered most of the thing. One other question I was going to ask. Uh, I, I said I was big on uh, uh, quotes and stuff. Uh, a, a phrase that, that that I've always heard is the the fruit doesn't fall far from the the tree. Uh, which, which character did y'all think uh, best exemplified that in terms of being? Most like their parents. I, 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 there, there weren't a whole lot of good examples in the book. I didn't think, but uh, uh, anybody have any ideas on that? I think quite the contrary in this case. I mean, you have Albert, who was nothing like his father, and you have um, Eugenia, who was nothing like her parents. You have Valentine, who was nothing like her parents. So again, it goes back to Don's thing about individuality, and perhaps in this book, the fruit sometimes flies very far from the tree. Yeah, that that is true to an extent. I'll say that uh, I think Albert was a lot like his mother, though. I think maybe he took more after her because uh, I think Mercedes probably had a gentle spirit and stuff, and I think he, he took after her. And also, even though Valentine's mother wasn't featured much, she was a very minor character. Her name was Renee, and I think she probably took a lot out of, after her mother. Her mother, if y'all remember that scene when... Uh, uh, Edmund was first coming to the V4's attention. She kept arguing that that he sh- that that he should give him a chance. I, th- I think she probably w- was a, was a good person, and that uh, uh, I think Valentine probably took more after her. Yeah, good point. Usually, that expression when I think of the fruit and doesn't fall far from the tree, they're usually saying it in a negative way about people that end up badly. But you're right. If you take it to mean just in general, they take after their parents. The people I mentioned did take after their good parent. And I, and I think Morel may have been one of the best examples because I, mean, I really liked, I really liked the, the, the elder Morel. I mean, he was obviously a good guy from the very beginning. You know, he, had, he kind of adopted uh, Edmund and was, he kept trying to look into his imprisonment and stuff and, and, and then Maximilian uh, turned out to be a lot, uh, be a lot like him, I think. And uh, so, uh, yeah. But uh, uh, and and another, and another another quote that I, yeah, I mean, the, the book obviously ends on on hope and stuff. And that, uh, there, there's another quote from the the Shawshank Redemption I've always liked. There, there's a there's a letter that's read by the by one of the characters in it, and the, the guy's writing. He says, "Hope's a good thing." Maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. And so, uh, I, I, I like the fact that that this book ended on a positive note, even though it uh, it, it took revenge to to to, to the extreme. Uh, I, I think ultimately Dantes realized that uh, he'd gone too far, and that uh, he and, and, and the law of unintended consequences ended up biting him, kind of uh, with, with with that with that boy dying and stuff, and. Uh, uh, and then so, I, 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 I like the way it. Uh, I, I like the way it ended. I, I, I thought it could have been. It probably could have been half as long as it was. But like, like we said, it was a serialized. It was a serialized production, and I'm, and I'm sure uh, uh, that that factored into to, to its length and and stuff. And obviously, he was getting paid probably 
each time he churned out another uh, uh, another piece of it. So, uh, uh, you know, that, 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 that I'm sure that contributed to its length. Uh, I've pretty much, we've pretty much covered most of the things I wanted to talk about, so we're, we're still a little bit early. Does anybody have any, any uh, last comments they want to share? Well, you mentioned Edouard, and uh, he certainly didn't fall far from the tree in terms of his parents. There was a lot of comedy. Almost every time they mentioned Edouard, he was doing something really bratty and obnoxious, and the things that he had him doing were pretty funny. So there was a lot of humor in the book, too. Uh, this is just a sidebar, but did the rest of you know that Eugene O'Neill's father revived this story as a play, and he was Dante's, and I saw a version of it, and what a shock, because it certainly didn't do a very good job of following the book, and just as a point of interest, um, at at the end, Albert is Dante's son, so there you go. You know, I, that's interesting to me. I, I hadn't ever heard of that play. Um, it's interesting that we haven't talked about what, for me, was my favorite part of the book, which was the escape. I don't know why, but that scene, I've read this book twice, and I didn't finish it this second time through. I'll be truthful. But in both instances, that scene of that escape from the, that prison and the, the creepiness of it, you know, you you um, you you get on that funeral uh, the pyre or whatever, that that gurney that coffin rather and and uh you know my goodness all those, those rocks that they tied around the the body to weigh it down and ooh, creepy it was just the creepiest most vivid scene in the book as far as i'm concerned and you know it stayed with me all these years and to reread it it was no less creepy yeah you're right that was really exciting that was really well written and and very suspenseful yeah you're right now i'm glad you brought that up because I, I i really like that uh uh, that that was one of my favorite parts of the book too. The the, the, the getting, I mean, some of the prison scenes and the and the, and the escape as well. And I, I think they've used, I think they've made allusions to that scene, and and various movies and stuff too. Because I'm trying to think, there is, a, uh, I don't know, I, I I don't know specifics, but it, I, I, I seem to recall other movies where people are getting out of prison and and coming up with a. a with the uh, with the plans to get out, and I think some of them and uh, cinema have alluded to that as well. But uh, that that was that was a great scene and a great escape. I thought it was exciting, but I also thought it was a little over the top. It one of those suspend disbelief type situations. Well, one thing that I can think of is our last year's classic. Uh, if you remember, Tom Sawyer was always talking about the kind of Monte Cristo when he was when when the uh, what's his name? The the slave guy that was with Huck was in, was in the smokehouse, and, and he was a prisoner, and he was having to do all the stuff that the Count of Monte Cristo did. I had totally forgotten that. That's a really good point, and that was really interesting what you said, Jill. I've never seen a film of this book or anything, so I don't know if those are true to form any more than the play was. It would be pretty hard to condense this. Well, the play wasn't really an effort to condense the book or even be true to the book. It was, from what I know, and I don't know a lot about it, but the play was sort of the, it, it was the, I don't even know if I would say it was the impetus for the book. It, 
the book was like a almost like a reimagine the play rather was like a reimagining of the book but it wasn't there was no effort to be true to the book at all i'm glad you mentioned that to you because I, I hadn't i didn't realize that, that he had done that either uh and uh uh well i lost what else i was going to say but uh uh anyway uh the uh the, the, I really appreciate everybody's discussion tonight. I, yeah, we'll we'll leave it open for last minute comments. But I, I've I've appreciated everybody's thoughts, and I always enjoy these discussions, especially a a book like this that's got so much in it. Uh, there's always people always contribute stuff that I, I haven't thought about, and uh, I really appreciate everybody's comments. Patty says almost all the things that Tom wanted to do were over the top. I didn't like this narrator. If you must know the truth, I I just I wish it had been. I don't know who else I would have picked. Maybe some of you have ideas, but I just kind of wish uh, it had been someone else. Yeah, I rarely have a problem with narrators. I'm pretty easy on them, but I didn't like this one either. He seemed to pronounce the French names differently at different points, and then he would mispronounce things like guillotine, and it's supposed to be guillotine, which is, even I know that, which is pretty basic, but yet he seemed to pronounce all the names right, but sometimes the nasality of the pronunciation was such that I couldn't catch who he was talking about you know uh, the narrators are so funny uh you know I, I you know i told you i read this book several years ago but i read it from it's when i was still living in memphis and i downloaded it it was an audio book and i downloaded it and i i thought uh, as i was reading this time i thought you know, I, I like that other narrator so much better on the original book that uh that i read and i and I had saved it, and I thought, well, I'm gonna, after I after listened to a few hours of this, I thought, I'm going to pull it up and listen to what other narrator sounded like. And I swear I didn't like him nearly as much as I thought I remembered liking him. So, uh, you know, this guy had his, you know, uh, had his weaknesses as they all do, I guess. But uh, uh, he was better than that first narrator anyway. Does anybody remember who the narrator was? On this one? Yeah, it was Robert Sams, I believe is his name, isn't it? No, I don't think it was Robert Sams. I'd have to look. I don't think it was Sams, though. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know why that stuck with me. I, you're, you're probably right. That's pretty interesting commentary in and of itself when when the name isn't coming. You know, usually if, if someone does a really good, vivid narration, you're going to associate that with the book. And I don't, I'm not sure now I remember who it was. I thought it was a Robert somebody, but uh, I don't know. Well, I've read a bunch of things. I wonder if it was Ed Blake. I'm going to try to look it up. Give me a second. I'll have it. And he usually does a superb job. Well, this book would probably be about as challenging as it gets. I mean, all those names, my goodness. Yeah, this one or any of the Russian classics would also be tough. Yeah, that might be even worse, actually. Robert Blumenfeld. Okay. You knew it was Robert. You had that part right. Yeah, I got close, sort of, kind of. Just out of curiosity, in years past, did you guys vote for Count of Monte Cristo? Because I would read it maybe 20 years ago or so, and I liked it, but I've, I've never been one to vote for it, but I, I'm glad we chose it. I voted for it every year. I think Nolan and Don finally just had pity, took pity on me since I was voting for it every year. So <laughs> uh, I I'm probably the, the the main one to blame, but there must have been at least a, another person or two that voted for it. No, there were lots and lots of votes for it. What was happening was every year it was coming in a very close second. When I say very close, by one or two votes. So when we looked at it this year, we were like, 
okay, if this is coming in that close each time, let's do it. Well, I think we've had some excellent discussion, and we've had some, uh, 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 you know, the creme de la creme obviously attended tonight and, and talked about it. So, although I hope, I, I, I guess in, in, in the future y'all may want to pick something that's, that's a little bit shorter because I have a feeling that maybe the length of this one uh, put some people off. But, uh, uh, I mean, like I said, we can have a good discussion with with as few as three or four, so I, I guess it doesn't matter. But uh, uh, like I said, I, I think we've had a had a good discussion tonight, and I, and I really enjoy talking about this book because I think it has a lot to offer. I mean, obviously, it's got a lot of uh, you know, it's a lot of us black and white, and you know, it's obviously you know he sets it up so that uh, a lot of bad things happens to this guy. He gets untold wealth, and then apparently he gets enough information and context that he's almost borderline omniscient so that he's able to to pay everybody back in, in spades so uh uh yeah you, you kind of have to take that uh, with a grain of salt and, and and go forward and realize that's the kind of book it is but uh i've really appreciated the, the discussion i think david copperfield was as long as this and we read that without a murmur so i thought this was a good book because it was one of those i wanted to read but hadn't gotten to yet which um it's it has been on my to be read pile for about forty years now, so <laughs> I was glad to have it happen. And don't forget that the first year we did War and Peace, and, <laughs> and this is certainly shorter than that. I do think that over time, the other thing is there's an awful lot of book discussion groups now, and I think people may be burning out a little bit from it, but. I'm glad we did it. I had a hard time with the book. I, I was surprised. Um, I enjoyed the first third of it, and then I, but I don't think it was the length that bothered me. I think there were other elements of it. But I think the discussion was very good quality. Yes, we would like to see more participation, but for me anyway, the quantity isn't isn't always the issue. I think the idea of having us get together in a different venue than the review list. Um, I don't know. I think that's kind of fun, and I think we get to know each other a little better. And, Alan, thank you so much for taking this on because I think it, it added a lot. Your love for the book added a lot to the discussion, and that's really important. Yeah, I hope we don't shy away from long books because sometimes if there's like 20 people participating, it's harder to have a discussion and let everybody get some time. And I thought this one was excellent. And I want to second whoever said Alan, about Alan's character list. I must have referred to that thing 20 or 30 times throughout the reading of the book because I keep having to go back and say, okay, who was this again? And so thank you so much, Alan, for putting that together. That was a big help. I, the, I can say this. The long, long books used to be really frustrating for me because I, I read all of War and Peace and the week before um, we were to discuss it, Bob said, oh, uh, I want to go to the symphony that night. And I said, okay, we're going to the symphony. And he did that to me like three years in a row. So <laughs> I was very frustrated because I'd read the book and then I wouldn't be able to join in the discussion. And thank you, Alan. You did a super job, as always. Well, thank y'all for letting uh, Nolan for letting me uh, uh, moderate. I really, I really enjoyed it, and it's, uh, it, it's. I enjoyed the book. I, I've always liked this book, and it, you know, I appreciated uh, being asked to moderate because it makes you do some more research and do some more homework, and that's always fun. Cause you, you learn, and and uh, 
uh, I, I read a lot uh, about it, and uh, uh, and we, we talked a lot about it, you know the stuff that I read. I'm glad the, I'm glad y'all like the character list. I, like I said, I, I like stuff like that too. You just got to be careful about them, about reading too much because it, it did give a lot of stuff away. I mean, you can you can go back and read that character list and kind of know what the book's all about. But uh, uh, but it, it is awfully handy to have something like that. And uh, uh, again, I, I agree. Uh, I don't think we should shy away from books just because they're long. I'll be in there reading them, even if they are long, because uh, some of my favorite books are, are really long. And uh, I think uh, if it's a, if it's something that's well written, you know, that that that's okay. And uh, uh, the, I thought the comments were excellent, even though we didn't have a ton of people here. Maybe that's why the comments were excellent. I think it turned out great. So I appreciate everybody's comments. Just a couple of quick housekeeping things. I'll turn it back to Bob because uh, it's his house. We're honored guests, and I'll let him wrap this if he's interested in doing that. Um, but a couple of quick things. Uh, there will be a favorite books um, <laughs> vote again this December if, if you're all into that. And I I think a lot of our folks are. They tend to get pretty uh, excited about that. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put together some gift cards, uh, Amazon or iTunes or something, and, and, uh, or I suppose we can do the cartridges again this year, but those don't seem to be all that popular. It seems to be the gift cards that uh, captures the heart and the imagination or whatever. Um, so we'll, we'll put that together for the 1st of December and get people to think about their, their book. And this, is, this has been fun. I'm glad we did it this year. And uh, quite honestly, I hope we can do it next year. I, I, I'd hate to see this sort of drop out just because there are lots of other book groups that, that are out there. Um, and so if you have any ideas about how to make this, uh, you know, uh, unique and keep it going, let me know off list or whatever you want to do, and, and we'll find ways to keep it alive if there's any way we can. I think it lends a certain kind of uniqueness to the list uh, in some respects. So. Bob, thank you again. I'll turn the time to you, if you wish, for any kind of wrap-up or whatever. I'd just like to say, Nolan, I think in a group like this, though it was small, it's kind of the cream of the crop. It's the people who think about books. It's the people who read the book because they they either want it. Um, you know, I would I would like to see you keep it going if it's only got two or three people. I really do. I think it's it's of great value. <laughs> Well, those of us in Accessible World certainly look forward to this every year, and it was a quality, high-quality discussion. We thank you, and you all did a great job. Thank you, uh, Nolan and Don, for your patience with all of us on the list. Thank you, Alan, for moderating. And I salute those who came, those who read the book once or twice and were here. You are the true heroes. Thank you so much. Well, this-